Hello, good evening, good afternoon. It is Friday, the 11th of July, 2014, well into the second half of the year. Isn't it amazing how time flies? My name is Kevin Garber. You're listening to the It's a Monkey podcast. We are episode number 41, and we are coming to you from sunny Sydney, Australia. We've been having a beautiful winter, uh, raging, beautiful sunshine. Wherever you are in the world, I hope um, life is good. And we have a terrific show lined up for you. We've got an interview with the CEO of Canva, Melanie Perkins, later on in the show. Now, um, Melanie started this fantastic company that is taking on uh, products like Adobe Photoshop, and they're having a huge amount of success. And I spoke to Melanie a couple of weeks ago. Um, So that's coming up later on in the show. And as usual, we have some news stories that we'll chat about. Also, in our previous episode, episode 40, we spoke with the co-founder of Yo, um, which has um, reached about 2 million downloads, I believe. But we'll chat a little bit more about that um, in a second. But um, I'd like to welcome our special co-host today. It's not James Peter as usual. We thought we were going to mix it up a little bit. Um, talking to Chelsea Plowright. Chelsea, welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Welcome to our, our studio. Do you, li- do you like our podcast studio? I know, it's amazing. It's quite I incredible, isn't it? I mean, it must have taken it? you so long to set up. <laughs> I mean, these eggshells are just... How, how many eggs did you have to eat? Oh, uh, yeah, they were all biodynamic, free-range as well. <laughs> the happy chickens. No, we're kidding. We, uh, we're only semi-professional here. We just record the podcast in the boardroom. Remember, we love to hear from you. Tweet us, email us, etc. Chelsea, um, y- there's a couple of interesting news stories around some new interesting areas of tech around um, wearables, integrated um, phones, etc. Now, I know one of the um, smart watches that people have been sort of eyeing on is Motorola's Moto 360. Um, it's out of all the smart watches available, that is the one that's not yet available. And um, there was a little Motorola sort of further teased all the people waiting for that watch ye- uh, yesterday. Yeah, no, um, it's a very sexy design, as um, a lot of the, the critics have kind of um, said in the last week, as opposed to uh, the other smartwatches which are available. Um, you'll find that the Moto 360 actually has a, a, a round uh, face, whereas the other ones have a square, chunky sort of um, physique. Um, so, you know, I'm really interested to see when that gets launched at, say, summer um, 2000. 14, which would be in the US, which yeah. should be it shortly. Should be soon. So, so Google announced um, Android Wear at their Google I.O. conference a few weeks ago. And at the same time they announced Android Wear, there were two watch manufacturers, I believe, LG mm-hmm. and um, which was the other one? It was LG. The s- there was a Samsung one. A Samsung and yeah. LG released their Android, their Android watches. Now, the, these watches integrate with Android, so they get notifications from your phone. They sort of talk to each other the whole time, so yep. they um, pair up quite nicely. But Motorola said their watch quite wasn't ready yet, and I believe it's their only smartwatch to date that's going to have the round face as mm. opposed to the sort of more digital face. I also think a key characteristic is it's not as um, thick. So the other one has um, the sorry the the the. The Gear Live and um, the LG Watch are quite chunky, um, so I think they're really slimming it down to make it le- look less um, unusual. Maybe they want to really 
um, ensure that it reflects the same sort of style as um, just an analog watch. Um, but no, I'd, be, I'd definitely like to have a look. I mean, I would even consider getting one myself. Um, I use the Fitbit and I think later on the track if they can integrate some sort of technology with, um, with you know, an app to have with my watch and my Fitbit, then I wouldn't have to wear both. Well, in the video that they uh, released yesterday, it really does look like a beautiful watch. And mm. they, they said that they are trying to model it on the classic watch look. So mm. instead of trying to create something new and digital and futuristic, they actually went back to the, the classic watch. We'll, we'll put a link to that news story. Um, but I think in terms of wearable watches, I think Apple's got something up their sleeve. And I think I think the yeah, Apple wearable is going to actually just... Mm. Um, really exceed well they think that they're going to launch that in October but I believe the reason why LG um, or Google as a matter of fact wanted to release Android um, where so early is so that they could get ahead of the game um, in some sense and um, you know jump onto the the uh, the wearable watches before Apple did you know with their iPods and their iPhones yeah, I think I think this wearable space is going to be really interesting. But I'm Apple. Um, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, watches are traditionally a big element of watches is the design aspect mm. more so than phones. Mo phones, there is a design element, but it's definitely a pragmatic, functional aspect. But watches, you they're know, very personal as well. Like you know that feeling when you've forgotten to put your watch on and it feels as though you're half naked. Yeah, and also people watches are an extension of their clothes and their hair, and and so you know Apple really being um, masters of design. I I would not not put it past them um, to really get that right. But uh, wearables are really interesting, and um, it'll be interesting to see what Apple as well, not only on the design side, but what they'll be able to track. Will they include things like heart rate monitors and Surely, accelerometers yeah. and altimeters and and you know how many how many sensors are they going to be able to pack into that watch i don't know what these android watches um, how many sensors they've got packed in um i think it's very early stages at the moment um i think the one way apple can get ahead is their battery life so the current uh, watches only have 36 hours of battery life which means you essentially have to charge it every night um which i even find with my iphone i have a mophie and um, which I've found has really helped, you know, improve my battery life with my iPhone. But without my Mophie, I'm, I'm constantly running out of battery. It puts me in really awkward situations. So what happens, you know, if your, smart your smartwatch runs out and you're late to meetings or, you know, you don't receive, your you've become so reliant on it that, you know, you can't receive messages. Um, I think if Apple can release a, a battery which lasts for a couple of days, I think they'll really get ahead. Um. Now, instead of people walking around and staring at their phones, people are going to be walking around <laughs> staring at their wrists. Oh, Jimmy said this morning, I'm so sick and tired of these slow people walking with their phones. And I said, Jimmy, I could say the same thing to you when you've <laughs> you've slowed down in your pace and you've gotten all old and decrepit. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy is... Jimmy's our um, bookkeeper, accountant and uh, resident um, Luddite. Um, and he, he's always sort of provides an interesting perspective around technology. I think someone, even a woman with kids today, when I was walking here, I think she was whinging to her kids behind me saying I was staring at my phone. So it has actually become, uh, you know, a ridiculous, a ridiculous state of affairs. But anyway, that's technology. Um, 
Well, we look forward to seeing what happens with the with the watches. I'm I'd like to to get one. Any any idea on the price points? What are the LGs yeah. and the Samsungs going They're for? They're about um, 159 quid, 200 to 220 US dollars. Okay, so I mean, not cheap, but not super expensive either. Yeah, yeah. I believe when the even when the iPhone was first released, I think it was in thousands yeah. to even just get your hands on it. So um, at least it's it's reasonable. Yeah. Oh, well, in, interesting space. And of course, um, I'm an Android user, so um, we'll integrate nicely. But um, let's keep an eye on that. Um, next story, sort of segueing, you know, around the sort of hardware and 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 devices. Um, of course, Google bought Nest at the beginning of the year. Nest being a a smart thermostat um, technology. Um, there's a new a, a new app that's um, um, an app called Wink. Uh, Wink that that significantly um, they put th- they were promoting it in um, over 2,000 Home Depot stores in the U.S. So um, you know, are these home automation apps and devices and services? finally going mainstream with uh, Wink, you know, showcasing itself in Home Depot. And just tell us a little bit about Wink. What What is the Wink app? So Wink is um, an app which is free to Android and um, iPhone users. So essentially what you need to do is download the app, um, first things first. And then if you're in, based in the US, you just go to a Home Depot store and you can select up to 60, um, you know, smart appliances which integrate with this app. Uh, you also need to purchase a hub, so I think it's called Wink, uh, Wink Hub, and that connects all your appliances um, under one hub, which also connects to your, your phone. Um, these appliances are great in the sense that you can actually control whether they're turned on or off, um, and you don't even need to be at home. Uh, I think that in itself can sort of open up a whole box of problems, um, because, you know, I, and I'm not sure how it, it necessarily works with, with locks and um, with you can turn your oven on from your phone. Um, but, you know, that can open up a whole series of issues. You know, what happens if you forget to turn the oven off and um, <laughs> your whole house kind of disintegrates. Oh, what happens when someone hacks in? Exactly. And so um, and, de- and defrosts your freezer <laughs> on your behalf. <laughs> Um, yeah, and you know, um, it's great in the sense that you can also uh, set up uh, your, you know, the, all these uh, multiple sort of um, settings. So, for instance, you'd have sleep mode, and sleep mode would have the, you know, the lights turn off, and the blinds would be t- turned down, and the and the the doors would be locked. And um, but I think the real, I mean, the real benefit is, you know, if you're listening and you think, ah, oh, this just sounds a little bit gimmicky, but I think the real benefit is the, of this Internet of Things is everything happening in an ambient slash mm. passive way. You know, as you mm. mentioned, you know, you're driving home and and your Internet of Things, your world is aware that you're nearly at home. So can even run your bath for you. You yeah, know, you, you walk in through the door and there's a hot bubble bath waiting for you. It's, it's there's a series of benefits, you know, like you're saving time, you're saving energy, money, um, you know, thought you know you're saving a whole lot of headspace oh damn i forgot to close the back door oh that's all right i can just do it on my phone oh i really want to turn that light off but i'm so comfortable on the couch then you without your phone um you know it does it does sort of solve quite a few problems yeah and of course then you know the internet of things could could tap into 
an internet of uh, you know just a, not an internet of things around only your life, but in but in a broader society. So say for instance, um, you're going to a very busy shopping center at some stage. Imagine you'd get a text message that's saying, well. If you leave about now, there's a very high likelihood that there's going to be a parking space for you. Yeah, there's there's a world of possibilities. So there's you know all this data driven Mm. um, Internet of Things is 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 really exciting. I know in Australia these smart homes um, and these are they available? Do you know? I haven't seen anything locally um, yet. In fact, I think there's quite a few companies. Um, Samsung have their own smartphone application as well. It's really sophisticated. Um, it's very popular in Korea. Um, I mean, that even goes. Uh, it's just incredible the amount of functionality it has. It can, it can tell you who's walking into your home. So, I would get a notification saying, you know, if I was mother and. My 14-year-old got home. I would receive a notification because they've walked past a sensor and the um, home can tell me they've opened the front door and they've walked through the front door. Um, it can go to the point of it can tell if, a, if an intruder is trying to get into your home because there are sensors and they've noticed that these sensors have um, been activated but we, they cannot recognise um, that they're, they've been integrated into this um, the smartphone system. Um, and so a notification or a warning um, bell is, you know, uh, lit off. So, the, you know, there's just there's a huge amount of things that you can do um, with smart homes. You can even water the garden. So uh, they geolocate your irrigation system um, where you can time when uh, you want your sprinklers to go off. Um, and you can also, if you go on holiday, you can um, continue to water your garden. I remember when my nana was at the farm she never wanted to go on holiday because she was so worried about her garden but now these um these problems are essentially eliminated you know what i really want you do you know that um 50 of the food in the world that is grown is thrown out mm. do you know, 50 percent I, I mean you know that's a massive i mean it's a remarkable statistic that now imagine you've got a smart fridge right that analyzes everything that's in the fridge. It analyzes how often things go old, analyzes what you like and what you don't like. Mm. Can even hook in with you know some of your data from Foursquare and some of your Instagram photos and even sort of work out where you're at in terms of your diet and actually recommend when and how much food you should buy to try and optimize um, the levels so you have Absolutely. less wastage. So, you, you know, and that, that's when technology really makes sense. And if we can mm, all cut solving out... Solving problems. You know, and, and even if you've got a compost heap and you throw your veggies into the compost heap, it's still a bit of a waste to buy these great organic veggies and having to throw them out. But it's hard to get it totally right. But, mm. but if we have help from the data and some of these intelligent devices like a, a, a smart fridge, um, sometimes I even buy something you know some i'm really into you know healthy nutrition and i'm i I see it as a great investment in my future to to eat healthy and um i'll buy some expensive whatever it is and uh and say and sometimes i put it in the fridge Mm, and and it goes off well i forget about it it's the worst so it's gone off not because I haven't been. It's, I've actually somehow Not out of it's, choice. It's, it's, it's just been absent-mindedness. It's snuck to the back of the fridge. Mm. Now, if the smart fridge would could send me, you know, a, a text that could say, "Hey, you know, you spent fifteen dollars on this organic sprouted bread. <laughs> uh, you haven't had one slice yet. It's yeah. going to go off in three days." Um, 
you better start eating it so you know uh, these are more than just toys these are ways we can sort of really become more efficient absolutely at using resources that can have really positive impacts i mean environmentally as well i mean the amount of times that you leave um you know the number one i learned in my degree the number one energy sucker are uh, phone chargers because when they're left into the wall they continue to send out electricity um also kettles um, because you know how often do you fill the kettle right up to the top with water but you only use one cup so mm. you're constantly reheating water that you don't use um, and environmentally I mean this can be all analyzed and um, efficient you know for the amount of energy that we really require and of course we don't have this issue in most of Australia maybe except for Melbourne and Tasmania maybe Adelaide a bit but in most countries, heating is a big issue. Mm. Heating and cooling, actually. We're quite moderate here, but heating is a nest, of course, was a you know smart thermostat. And, he, and getting your home heated in the right way for the right amount of time is a big issue and can save a lot of um, you know, energy and... Um, a lot of waste. And yeah, a lot of waste going on. So this is where technology is really exciting. It's more, more than just... Um, you know, gadgets send, sending <laughs> selfies to each other and watching cat videos, <laughs> but um, it all feeds into each other. But that's that's um, quite exciting, you know. Mm. So, okay, that's uh, thanks for those two news items. We'll put a link up about the smartwatches and about the the smart homes. Um, interesting world of the the physical and the wearables. We're going to take a short break. Um, you're listening to episode monk uh, episode. 41 of It's a Monkey podcast. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back talking to Melanie Perkins, the CEO of Canva. Stay with us. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by CheckDog. Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links, and broken images, all with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to checkdog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. Checkdog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error free. And you are back with the It's a Monkey podcast. You are listening to Kevin Garber. I am the CEO of Manage Flitter and the co-founder of Manage Flitter based here in Sydney, Australia, with customers all over this wonderful planet of ours. Um, and I've got a very special guest in the studio now. We, we um, often have guests from the States, Silicon Valley, New York, Israel, you name it. But the Sydney startup scene has been taking off and really been compounding. And I'm very excited to have the CEO of a fantastic startup called Canva. And they are just down the road from us in Surrey Hills. And with me um, is Melanie Perkins. And it's a, um, a real pleasure to have a, a guest studio for a change, not a Skype guest. Melanie, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, Canva is a great story that um, not only just a great Sydney tech startup success story but a, a, a tech success story in general just tell us a little bit about canva tell us a little bit about your journey um, and um, yeah, give us the background to the product so the journey of canva actually started over seven years ago i was actually at university and teaching design programs like photoshop and indesign and students really struggled to learn the very basics it took so long to learn how to use the programs and so long to actually design even a very simple design 
And so I realized that in the future, design would become much more simple. It would be online and collaborative. And so that was really when the idea for Canva was born. And then I took this concept and applied it to the yearbook market and started my first company, Fusion Books, with Cliff Obrett. And that became the largest yearbook company in Australia and launched in France, New Zealand, which was really awesome. And we were getting such positive feedback, but people kept saying, why can't I use this for other products like my newsletter and my marketing materials and my blog graphics? And so eventually we decided we were going to take on that big battle of trying to enable everyone to create beautiful design. And so two years ago, over two years ago now, we started the journey of Canva and my journey took me kiteboarding in Hawaii, trying to learn how to, because there's there's this huge conference where a lot of investors go. And so I had to learn to kiteboard in order to get to go to this conference. And then it went to San Francisco and spent many months there learning about everything to do with startups. I didn't even know what a VC was at the time. And eventually we found an incredible tech co-founder, Cameron Adams, joined us. And that um, became the foundation of Canva. And now 10 months in, we are going really strong. We've just hit 550,000 users and it's been an incredible journey since. 550,000 users, that's um, in 10 months, that's that's really incredible. I mean, you must be buzzing. Yeah, it's really incredible. The feedback that we get through our social media channels, through emails, like we're getting you know fan mail every day saying how much Canva has improved their ability to design and to actually do their job, which has been really incredible. It's a lot of fun. It's, um, I can say we we um, a little bit further along the journey than you, but not not much more. And I can tell you that uh, it never you never get tired of that feedback. <laughs> Whenever we see tweets, you know that oh, you know since I've used your product, it's brought my Twitter account to life <laughs> and this and that. It's just it's it's our way of just adding value to the world. It's a good feeling, you know. But um, well done. I mean, you know, there's a lot of Melanie. There's a lot of talk about Sydney being. Um, you know, not San Francisco and not New York. And here you are building a global company. Um, you've raised money from, am I correct in saying, both local and international investors? Yeah, absolutely. So you've raised money. Um, and it's early stage. I mean, what, it's seed plus sort of Series A type money? Seed round, yeah. Seed round of money. So there's early stage. So, I mean, people that are saying, oh, you can't really do it in Sydney and, you know, you've got to go to the Valley. I mean, what would you say to that? I think for us, we've really been able to get the best of both worlds. I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco, which meant, has meant that we've been able to build up great networks over there. Um, it's been really great for business development and for investors. But then here, the engineering talent and the team we've been able to build here in Sydney has been absolutely incredible. And I don't think we could have done it anywhere else in the world. Um, so That's interesting you say that. Why You couldn't have built up your engineering team anywhere else in the world. I mean... That's an unusual thing to say about Sydney. I know there's great talent here, but that's a that's a big call. I spent a lot of time in San Francisco. I spent over a year trying to find a technical co-founder and the technical co-founder happened to be in Sydney. And then the team that we've built, so one of our um, investors is actually Lars Rasmussen who founded Google Maps and Google Wave in Sydney. And so a lot of his team members have actually joined our team now. And so this incredible caliber of engineers have, are now part of our team. And so I definitely think where our engineering team is second to none and you've definitely got the i mean lars is very well known um globally for google maps and you you got a coup as well earlier this year that guy kawasaki joined your team i mean he doesn't he doesn't rock up at the office at 8 30 a.m though i mean he's 
he works incredibly hard. So he's talking to us at all sorts of hours. We're often having a conversation at midnight his time. Um, he's, he's doing an incredible job, um, really helping to, as, as his title is, Chief Evangelist, and he's been evangelising Canberra incredibly well. Does he spend much time in Sydney? He's actually coming to Sydney next week. Yeah. Oh, terrific. So, um, so it's one of... Uh, um, it's one of his portfolio of um, roles, I would no, imagine. No, he's full time at Canva. He's full time at yeah. Canva. Wow, that's um, and how did how did that happen? I mean, guy's very well known as um, you know for his work at Apple and um, you know some other products. But how did he land up? I mean, I'm sure there are many companies that would have loved to have have guy working full time for them. Yeah, he's been he's been pitched many times over the years. Very certain. Um, he actually had created a design with Canva and posted it on Twitter and someone said, is that a Canva design? And then that we picked that up on that um, in our social media feed and then uh, Cliff, my co-founder, just emailed him. Uh, we had a few Skype calls, jumped on a plane to San Francisco, had a few chats in person and he was as passionate about what we're trying to do as we were. So it seemed like a perfect match. Fantastic. I mean, Melanie, you're really living um, proof of, you know, if you, if you, if you do stuff and you and you push out there um life life often meets you halfway <laughs> it's, it's like there's luck in everything but there's also hard work in everything absolutely i think that the only thing that you can control is your inputs and if you're if you keep persisting at something for years and years on end eventually it has to pull through surely <laughs> it has to you know it's uh, the one thing that always um impacts me when listening to entrepreneurs and their journeys are always different except there's one element that i find the same and that's tenacity and hard work Mm. you know some of them come from money some of them don't some of them degrees some of them aren't but you know some of them are tech some aren't but that tenacity that's sticking to it is something that is just if 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 that element is not there um it's you know that's that's an important piece of the puzzle um i always i'm always hazard to ask this question um because the fact that I have to ask this question may rep- represent that there is a problem with the world slash industry. Being a female CEO of a tech company and a co-founder of a tech company, I mean, wh- what are your thoughts around the whole Sheryl Sandberg, Lean In, you know, there, there's women in tech, it's, 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 is there a problem? Is there not a problem? As a man, it's, it's very difficult to, uh, to know um you know what the other side um you know what's re- what's really happening um on on the other side with respect to female tech co-founders and females in the industry i think as i've said it's really good to have that balance and in new york i was just astounded at how many amazing uh, tech female super smart uh, co-founders and investors they are and i think it's great for everyone to have a bit of balance what are what are your thoughts as someone who's living it yeah, I my personal view is that like for me I see problems that I have to solve and for me being a female is not one of those problems. I you know you've got a hiring problems, investment problems, all, you know all the problems that you have along the way and then you solve. Um, and being a female is just part of who I am. It's not something that I dedicate a lot of thought to. It I think absolutely diversity is important for any industry. Um so when you uh, sort of side tracking i mean when you when you hear that question asked to you honestly does it do you think oh geez there's that question again it's like does it irritate you is it do you think we have to move past actually even asking that question that fact that we asked that question it's sort of like you know like barack obama is the first black president well i mean 
we shouldn't be have to highlight that he's a person first and foremost you know but at the same time it is significant that we're moving past a, a, you know a, a, a landmark um, you know of just white presidents so what's what's your view on on the actual question that's a very good question I I like to talk about entrepreneurship because talking about being a female seems kind of a strange question. It's like talking about your gender. What's your gender like, Kevin? Mm. And so, I, but I, at the same time, I appreciate the statistics are astounding. Um, so I, I don't know. It's a, something that I'm still figuring out. Yeah, it's an it's um it's an interesting one. Um, but I think diversity and balance in the industry is is good for us all. Um, so where's you know where to for Canva? I mean your growth is amazing. But be, be, before before um, you answer that, let me ask you another bread and bread and butter question. What's what's your business model? You got all these users. Um, are you making money from some of them? Yeah. So in Canva we have a library of over a million images of stock photography and illustrations that people can put in their design and then they can export it and then they it's only then that they actually pay a dollar for the image that they've used and we're getting a huge number of people who are starting to use these images every month it's growing phenomenally so um, yeah we've got a lot more things yet to unveil which we'll be unveiling uh, later on this year but for now yeah stock photography and illustrations are where people can actually pay for Canva if they want to otherwise they can use it for free and you are hiring tell us about um, you know if someone's listening to the podcast and they they're loving what you hear what's uh, loving what they hear what what type of positions you're hiring for we are hiring for almost every position at the moment so we're hiring incredible designers incredible developers front-end coders back-end coders um, we're hiring on the marketing side so if you're an incredible person who just is in really passionate about what you do really loves our vision of being able to enable everyone to create beautiful design uh, we'd love to hear from you email us at jobs at canva.com and all the roles need to be based in sydney so we are predominantly hiring in sydney and if you are overseas sydney is a beautiful place to come it's ridiculously um, <laughs> beautiful it is not it's not just beautiful it's uh it's ridiculously beautiful and if you're in looking for some beautiful summertime beaching and all sorts of wonderful things, it's a, a really beautiful city to come and spend a couple of years and uh, help us to achieve a world-dominating, hopefully, mission. Jeez, well, you're well in your way. Um, so is that the is that the, the aim, world domination of uh, <laughs> helping people design, you know, on the fly, quick and easy, in the cloud? Yeah, we just want, we have a view of the way design should be. And at the moment, it's super complex. And we feel like we're taking steps towards making it a lot simpler. We really feel like we're just getting started. We've done 1% of, I think, what Canva's capable of. So give us your top three tips. If there's someone listening that's maybe, you know, wants to give it a go. And they may be in, in a place that's not Silicon Valley or not New York. Give us, give some, give, give, what are the three things that you wish someone told you four years ago that you know now? I think so. Number one is find a problem that you feel passionately about because you'll be following that problem and finding that solution for such a long period of time that it's something that you really believe, need to believe you want solved. Um, that's number one. And then just having the determination to see it through. Once you've got an idea that you would like to 
pursue, it just takes a very long time and you have to try the same thing many, many times from every single different angle in order to actually come up with that solution. And every single every single stage has new challenges, whether you're trying to find technical co-founders or whether you're trying to find team members or whether you're trying to... Um, you know, get the first dollar in the door or find investors or, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that you need to figure out on the go. Um, and so that, I guess that brings me to the third point, which is really just get started. There's so many things to learn that you can't possibly know them all beforehand. You just have to start, take the first step and then you'll eventually learn everything as you go, speak to people, get out there, just start doing it. Fantastic. Melanie, um I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I only heard about you guys last week, which I don't know how that happened, but I'm incredibly, every, or the rest of my team will know about you. So, and they're the real smart ones. I just pay the bills. Um, but I'm really excited that a company like yours exists in Sydney. I think you guys are going to be great for the, for the Sydney ecosystem. I really am looking forward to tracking your success. I think, um, I think this is only the beginning just for you guys. And, um, I wish you I wish you really all the best luck and I look forward to doing some work with you. Thank you so much and thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for your time, Melanie. That's Melanie Perkins. She's the CEO, co-founder of Canva. We'll put up all the details about Canva on the show notes. Um, and Canva are looking for people. If you're in the, in the States and you... Uh, you know, tired of the pollution, tired of the noise, and um, would like to, you know, Sydney's the only city that I know of where you can surf in the morning in warm water, be at the office by, you know, 9 a.m. and have another surf in the afternoon, um, and uh, the winters are sunny, and so on and so forth, and there's super smart tech people. So um, it's good for our whole tech scene to have smart tech people um, in Sydney. So come on, visit us, and if you do come over, drop us a line as well. To, Come on over to the Managed Flutter offices. We'd uh, love to say hello and, and meet you. Um, so um, thanks to Melanie. And uh, we'll be taking a short break and we'll be back with you in a moment. So don't go away. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by Managed Flitter. With Managed Flitter, you can easily find out who isn't following you back. Find new people to follow. Track keywords on Twitter and schedule tweets for the most appropriate times. Tweet code MONKEY2 at ManageFlitter to receive a one-month free budgie account. Chelsea, you know, I'm across the startup scene. I try to be across the startup scene um, in, um, you know, mainly the, the U.S. and Sydney. And I'm actually embarrassed to say I hadn't heard of Canva. I was really excited to see we have such a fantastic startup you know making a real dent um just down the road from us in surrey hills you know i discovered uh canva oh earlier this year um and i actually sent it to joe because even though i knew joe was aware how to use um design applications i thought this would be a really great problem solver so joe's joe's one of our account managers yeah sorry i should give some context yeah. when i <laughs> keep naming employees and um <laughs> no one actually knows them <laughs> um yeah and I, I mean you know it's photoshop's been around forever it's it's a, a it's a um, you know monster of the the internet world the design world and they essentially taking on photoshop Mm. So Canva is um, what Melanie said earlier, a, um, a layout application. So it's not specifically a design 
application where you can design a logo or create an illustration file. It really helps you to lay out design elements on a page. Um, and, you know, that's great because as a designer myself, it takes a lot of thought to really think about, all right, what colour should I have this? Or, you know, should it be a, um, you know, a, just the concept just takes a huge amount of time. Um, so it's great that you can log into this um this application and it's all there and all the thoughts are there and all the um, ideas are there and you just drop, drag and drop. It's very clever and I think they're doing really, really well. And uh, I said to Melanie, we'll help give a push because they're trying to reach 1 million users in their first year. Well, they reached 400,000 in their first nine months. So I think I can't, um, what did she reference? Or she, it might have been after the interview I spoke to her. But whatever the case is, they, they're pushing, they want to get a million users. So I mm. said, we'll do what we can. So if you haven't tried Canva, um, you know, give it a go. It's really easy to use. Um, they, the reason why they wanted one million users is because she said Facebook hit one million users in their first year. So it's a great milestone. It's a great milestone and yeah. nice and symbolic. Yeah. Um, we nearly at, Manage Flit is nearly at 2.5 million Ooh. users. So um, I think that's time for another Vine. Time for time for another <laughs> promotional video of getting dressed up in onesies and acting, acting a little bit crazy. Um, I can just hear the enthusiasm in your voice. <laughs> we'll have to think of no. When we hit three million users of Manage Flitter, and by the way, if you are listening to this podcast and someone has sent you a link and you haven't tried out Manage Flitter, Manage Flitter is a fantastic tool to help you do all sorts of things on Twitter. And we'd love you to try it out and let us know. But uh, yeah, when we hit three million users on Manage Flutter, we'll have to have you know to what? think of something. We should make um, those fake bird wings and try fly. <laughs> Look, Chelsea, that's why uh, we, you know, you're part of the team. You've always got fresh, original ideas. Have you ever heard of the um, Red Bull Challenge? Where uh, these, <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a New Zealand thing, and you can Google it if you want. But it's called the Red Bull Challenge where you design and build a cart and see how far it can fly after sort of running off a jetty and into the water. And people genuinely win a lot of money. <laughs> and these things are falling apart. <laughs> Isn't Red Bull um, terrific at some of their marketing? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the whole space thing for Felix, that guy at the edge of space jumping. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I mean, that was it sponsored by Red Bull. It must have been at least Bull. a year ago now. Mm, I mean, what a... I mean, uh, being a health nut, I mean, you know, I don't... Uh, it's Encourage. Not, it's, yeah, Red Bull's <laughs> not uh, not a health drink in my humble opinion. I mean, it's what, basically caffeine, sugar. Guava. Yeah. And a whole lot of stuff we probably don't know about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're li- some of us are a little bit purist here about health. But anyway, they, they're great at branding. Um and marketing they really take my hat off mm. to them they really all right kevin so um when we reach three mil you're going to space <laughs> look i'm that's one of my biggest dreams actually probably my biggest dream really? is to not not only go into space i think that'd be cool but one of my biggest dreams is to actually be on the moon or on mars like to I'm actually sure, be surely in your lifetime that'll be a possibility look i i, I look extremely young but mm-hmm. i'm extremely old <laughs> i wouldn't use extreme within that sentence i hope so because i mean you're I think matured I'm, I'm, I'm aged yes um <laughs> Yes, um, I would love to go to the moon. I really, uh, it would be just really quite a remarkably surreal experience being on another celestial body. 
Yeah, yeah. One point actually I did, going back to the Canva conversation, I did want to raise, um, and I've seen another interview with Mel and, um, you know, um, on, on YouTube, and a question was asked by an audience member, and he said, how do you feel taking work away from graphic designers? And I thought the way that she handled it was um, a great response. Did, did you just hear that? Was that a yo? Yeah, I just got a yo. I wanted to talk a bit about yo as well, but let's... let's um continue talking about um canva i just have to see who my yo's from uh, okay i've got a yo cool <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, announce no and <laughs> keep that one under the under wraps um, uh, how yeah, did she answer it how did she said she didn't feel as though it necessarily took work away but it allowed the public or allowed clients to really understand um how much hard work goes into graphic design and um you know, there's actually a functionality on Canva, which I think is fantastic, and it really helps eliminate a lot of problems that graphic designers have, where the client wants a very minor change, such as a text change, or, you know, the, they want to uh, change the location of an image, and the designer not only has to, you know, think about it, go back into the application, open up the file, which takes, you know, 15 minutes within itself, but just make this tiny minor change, which the client could probably just do themselves. Um, it doesn't require any graphic design, um, you know, degrees or any knowledge or creative knowledge. And and then they'll get an appreciation for the process as absolutely. well. And they'll see, wow, it's not it's not that simple to get all the pieces right. And of course, and Canva isn't necessarily a, um, a tool that allows you to, you know, create a logo, as she said. You know, you, you'd still need it to, to hire a graphic designer or an illustrator to create something that's unique and original and to interpret ideas. Um, but I, I do believe that it's the way forward. I think it's going to, um, you know, save a huge amount of time for, for people that have blogs and um, just don't even know where to begin with, with developing artwork and graphics. And um, I say kudos to her. Yeah, and look, um, are we going to try be integrating Canva into Manage Flitter? Um, so we're talking with Melanie, seeing if we can work together. But look, I, I think that question's a ridiculous question. Um, mm. In all fairness to the person answered the question, that's like, you know, that's that's like saying to, you know, I mean, it's just abstract things in a different it's like way. Saying There's to us, postman, how do you feel about um, what are they called? The flying machines delivering your packages uh, drones drones i was going to call them no droids. it's 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 even it's even uh, it's even you know because a de- designer and subjectivity and creativity will never be able to i mean we're probably a hundred years away from a computer that you can literally just say design me an awesome logo mm. for me and the computer mm. will know your entire context your and parameters relationship your relationship and and, and do something i mean mm. Maybe 50, 100 years, maybe there will be something like that. But it's a long way away until we can capture that creative process with that magic. Mm. Um, Wow. It's just, you know, these are just tools. These are just tools. And the more tools we have to enable the creative process and iterate, the better for everyone. Absolutely. Because then we build better tools and better products and you know the people using these tools develop better smart fridges and smartphones and (laughs) watches and so but i can understand you know everyone's always worried about their livelihood and their life and um you know they feel threatened but but these things always actually open up new industries they'll be you know there's that there's that quote if you can't beat them then join them yeah exactly so um 
I, I don't think this is going to, uh, you know, designers are going to um, disappear anytime soon. Maybe the, you know, but that's already happened. The the sort of more bread and butter, lower level design or layout work, you know, may become a lot easier and things like that. But the, but it could also mean designers will just spend more time doing their exciting work, their creative work. It's true. Or they have to just learn to develop new skills, such as myself. Like I didn't know how to develop websites or develop, um, you know, um use html code and that's really forced me to, to to work on new skills which i can use and that integrate with design well i think we're all going to have to learn to reskill ourselves up every couple of years as technologies mm. change i was i was at a bitcoin conference the last few days in melbourne inside bitcoins conference and you know it's a whole platform just just that's going to move in and it's going to revolutionize not not just the banking industry but all sorts of industries it's really like the internet all over again the bitcoin platform not the currency but the actual protocol around it and they're going to be a new set of jobs and a new set of skills and yeah it's very much a cycle it's a cyclical process um where something ends and something opens yeah, and you close one door open the other and it's been going on for for a long time i mean how many how many blacksmiths are there these days that fix horseshoes not many you know you know it's interesting you say that because i'm a horse rider and i used to own a own a horse his name was William and there was this one blacksmith and he was never out of work it was just incredible how busy he was but it's not exactly a growth industry, though. Yeah, obviously. Well, yeah. you know, depending on how many people want to ride horses, but he will never be out of work um, in the sense that, you know, someone's always going to need um, a black or, or someone to, to fit your horse's hooves, or shoes. Well, the people, the few people with ho- I mean, it's compared to when people used horses for transport. It's nothing like that. True. You know, true. And, um, you know, yeah, skills need to need to need to change, and I think in the, it's so exciting in this day and age we can self-educate very easily more than ever. In the old days, you know, um, universities had monopolies on on education and knowledge, and they were gatekeepers, and that's why getting a degree was a big deal in those days. Today, mm. like it's it's, I mean, if you are a self-motivated person, wow, you can. You could probably almost teach yourself literally anything. You could probably Everything. you could probably almost even get to a point of surgery by yourself. You know, I mean, it's I wouldn't recommend it. You know, but I'm just saying. So, um, how many years have you been in med school? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I just taught myself on YouTube on Linda.com. Oh, you know. oh, oh, you're bleeding. Oh, <laughs> oh no, this isn't good. <laughs> but if your life depended on it, if you you know for whatever reason, mm. you know, there's so much information. It's fantastic, exciting times. I'm surprised that, the, you know, I've got to f- some friends in San Francisco that have actually formed a collective to educate their kids. So they're not really homeschooling, but they're not sending them to school. So that's a group of wow. them and they've decided that they are going to, you know, essentially, I suppose it's like a little private school in mm. a way. Um, but I think that's fantastic. And they all get to, to, you know, the kids get the social aspect, but at the yeah. same time, they, they're just really mindful. And I'm surprised things like that, um, well, maybe they will will take off or even some some sort of universities or not even not even a university but a but a website or platform that 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 helps shape your own education mm. um, um you know on on available resources but in a more sort of um really customized 
more outcome based than opposed to a degree sort of piece of paper based i mean we all all of us that studied we all when people say how are your studies i mean we all admit that half of it was rubbish right absolutely i, mean, I felt we, we wasted my one was just and then particularly with design you know design is it's something that there are invaluable lessons that you can learn from receiving criticism and feedback and um and and learning how to deal with criticism to such a subjective topic, you know, if, some, if you like something um, and the other one doesn't, it doesn't necessarily deem it right or wrong. But um, learning how to interpret feedback and um, and you know develop concepts and be creative is something that's difficult to do alone. But you know, it's primarily the skills-based stuff is just very, very easy to learn online, such as you know your Photoshop, your Dreamweaver. Illustrator, and design, or the Adobe products, yeah, very easy. And I think you know the smart universities are restructuring themselves, saying, "Well, what can't be replaced online?" And there's a lot that can't be replaced online: the interaction, the debates, the discussions, the all the informal stuff. You know, sitting and having interesting lunches and things like that. But there's a lot that can be put online, taken out. You know, lecturers giving the same lectures every semester a lot of that can be put online definitely you know it just it needs to be more flexible uh, particularly in countries where you know if you're living in a city like sydney or new york and you've got skyrocketed um you know your, your rent's really expensive you can't afford to even to pay your rent because you're studying and then you're trying to fit in work i mean if you could have the ability to do half even just half your lectures online and um fit that within your working hours it would just it would make life a lot easier yeah it's a very very exciting field and um when i look back on my degrees that i did they were you know the 20 percent that was fantastic really has set me up a foundation for life and my critical thinking and things like that but the 80 percent of time that was wasted it was really a shame mm. you know really really a shame of um terrible lecturers or disorganized or um, and if we can get that ratio a little bit better um you know education is the answer to so much just mm. absolutely so much so anyway i hope that uh you enjoyed this podcast episode 41 of the it's a monkey podcast a special thanks to chelsea plowright you can follow chelsea on twitter um and we love to hear from you um, we have people from all over the world listening to this podcast so if you want to get a shout out we'll even if you own a um, a startup or um, you know we'll give you a shout out on the podcast and uh, you might um, get a little bit of profile so email us at monkey podcast or e- uh, sorry tweet us at monkey podcast or email us at podcast at it's a monkey.com um, listen to last week's episode at it's a monkey.com um, the co-founder of yo yo's still going gangbusters and going nuts and just mm-hmm. it's really taking off which is really exciting to see where it will land up and pl- importantly as well um, it helps us if you subscribe on itunes and is even if you can leave a comment on itunes if you like this podcast it just means more people will discover it and more people will hear us and we'll be able to keep this going and get more high and high profile guests well, we all, we love the scrappy startup stuff but we'd love to also get access to some of the higher profile guests and the more successful we are um, the, the higher chance we'll have on that anyway that's enough of my um 
mm-hmm. for all the admin stuff. And we'll see you in two weeks. We try to publish this every two weeks, broadcast this every two weeks. So keep an eye out on your favorite podcast platform. Some great podcast platforms these days. There's Stitcher, there's Podcast Republic. And um, what do you listen to the podcast on? I listen to it on iTunes. Um, oh, actually, on iTunes itself. Yeah, it's it's better because it actually updates automatically and you receive notifications. So, But a lot of them do. I mean, Podcast Republic, which I use. Yeah, I think there's an, an, an iPhone, though. There's actually a, um, like, it's not iTunes, but it's actually a podcast section. Right. Which then, which connects with iTunes. So it's been optimized for podcasting. Podcasts are—they're fantastic, and they—they they seem to have been going to a little bit of a, a, a resurgence at the moment. I have some of my my non-tech friends; a few of them say, "Hey, what what are the podcasts you can recommend?" You know, really. Also, that in audiobooks, love audiobooks. Yeah. It's great. great when you're cleaning or exercising. On the, on the on the plane, I had a on our way to New York for um, managed flitter. I listened to. A um, uh, 39 Signals audiobook about remote working. 37, sorry. 37 Signals. That's the Um, base camp crew. Yeah, and it was great. Loved it. Yeah, for me when I'm exercising or when I'm cleaning, uh, you know, doing housework, it's the Mm. only way that I'm just not bored to tears is I'm just (laughs) listening to the podcast and the... But yeah, exercising was also fantastic. Yeah. Also, when I'm waiting at airports, um, what I do is I walk. So... I don't generally sit. A lot of people just seek out a seat and do whatever. I just sort of pound pound the airport. I think some some of the shop owners just think I'm a bit of a <laughs> crazy person. You couldn't you know? do that in Wellington Airport, man. You've been <laughs> doing small. like 25 million circles it's of the same area. Or, or Byron Bay is also <laughs> so small. But the, you know the big airports. You just I just walk up and down listening to the audio books oh, and the podcast. Sorry, the one in um, Los Angeles. I think it was no San Fran. San Fran huge it's like i honestly thought i was going to miss my connecting flight because i was running yeah especially if you had different terminals yeah Yeah, it's crazy it's it's, um you you do have to be careful with the big airports sometimes that uh you know it can be a half hour walk to go from but terrific for podcasts and um they should have like podcast booths at these airports and be like you know, got a half an hour walk ahead of you. Why not listen to a podcast? Well, you know what I was thinking yesterday? I was I was at the airport um, in Melbourne, which is, I mean, fantastic airport and fantastic city. And um, it's such a, airports are such a captive market of people. And of course, the airport companies try to be opportunistic and make money out of that. But if mm. we forget about the money aspect for a while, from a community social good aspect, there's such fantastic things you could do at airports. And particularly the amount of wasted time yeah. that you spend I mean, at airports. Think about a lounge that just shows all different TED Talks, right? You just have a lounge. You think about... An exercise lounge. An ex- I mean, the San Francisco terminal has a yoga, wow. a big yoga room. The one at the new terminal. Do you have to be part of a velocity no. plan or something? No. You know, in Japan, they have sleeping pods. So you have yeah. 20, you can sit down for 20 minutes, which I don't think is long enough, and sleep. But it's just such a good time to, mm. you know, do all sorts of... There can be, you know, there can be, I don't know, vegetable gardens. You can go water and, you know, help nurture. And you can do a 
gardening for 20 minutes. Do you know that there's all probiotics and in, in soil. It's just healthy. Learning centers where you could go in for 20 minutes and learn about something really exciting and new, or donation centers where you learn about, you know, you've got booths for people representing charities and you can go oh you know i might go check that out just even well, these spaces I, I had this idea as well that at airports i might have told you or told someone else that on that charity idea if if charities have representation in the airports right so say the selvas for instance now mm. if they could somehow put their work down into bite sizes 20 minutes work right say they got need some admin work or some copy and pasting or some and for 20 minutes, you can sit at the airport and help the salvos. Amazing. Packaging for rugs, um, food donations, you know, putting them in Phone boxes. Phone calls or just... Absolutely. So so you could have all these charities, right? And um, in your one hour or sometimes longer, you could, you could just, whatever you aligned with, you could just go and go, yep, here I am, you know, and someone could match you with, with your skills. You can even give, you know, if they go, oh, you know about the web, give us some advice. So, you know, I mean, of course, this thing has to be managed properly and it has to be more benefit than, than pain. But the airports are just such a fantastic time to just just capitalize on, on humans and it's mm. just really not taken advantage of. This reminds me of our... <laughs> Our experience in when we were together in a subway, and you know, you spend so much time on the subway commuting that you could allocate carriages to um, have different themes or a dance carriage, yeah, <laughs> a hip hop carriage, yeah, and, uh, and <laughs> you know, like the you got the silent carriages, which is fine. But what happens if you had a talkative carriage where <laughs> you know you had to sit ne- and talk to your your neighbour? A, a networking carriage where it's it's about networking. Yeah, like it's it. definitely. And I think I told you at the time in South Africa there was uh, many years ago one of the hotel groups um, created. I think they called it the Fun Train. And it was the equivalent of sort of Sydney to the Gold Coast. It was an overnight train. Sounds like it sounds like forced fun, though. Like well, it was mainly it was fun. mainly for kids with uh, families with kids. Right. And um, they would have a carriage with all different games. They would have a carriage where you know they would look after your kids, and it was and it and it actually was fantastic. I think I must have been about I don't know eight, nine, ten at the time, and it was a real novelty, a real a lot of fun. It was mm. an I think it was overnight or during the day, about ten hours worth, um, and it was very popular for a while. But um, yeah, ultimately, don't know what happened to it, but. Anyway, I think uh, we've probably bored everyone to tears now. Um, I don't even know if my mother's still listening anymore. Sorry, guys. Um, but thanks for listening. We've gone way over time and um, we'll see you in two weeks. See ya.